One of the things that's important for us to remember when we're reading the Bible is that it wasn't written uh, from an ivory tower. It wasn't written from a beachside retreat, nor from couches of comfort. Instead, it was often written uh, where people had their backs up against the wall. And when we see the book of James, that's no different. James is writing as a leader in the Church of Jerusalem, and they had likely experienced a variety of pressures, not just of their Roman colonial powers, but also of the insiders and the, the religious elites who had created pressure. They had likely faced the persecution associated with Saul, in which many Christians had to leave the city. And so I use this phrase, people who stand with their backs against the wall, just as Howard Thurman did when he wrote this book, Jesus and the Disinherited. He was exploring what it was like to be uh, black in America and a follower of Jesus. In his writing about Jesus and the people who stand with their backs against the wall, Howard Thurman was influential in trying to chart a way of following Jesus as a person who was under pressure. He was very interested in what it was going to be like to be a person who is formed by their faith in Jesus and not just their circumstances. What is it like to live in a setting where the privileged and the underprivileged have enmity? His little book, Jesus and the Disinherited, uh, influenced many leaders in the civil rights movement in the United States. He faced a great deal of skepticism, skepticism about what was really required as a person under this kind of pressure. Do you know, we face a fair bit of skepticism, not always in this underprivileged situation, but many of us come from places and have been followers of Jesus where that is true of our lives. But we do face a growing skepticism about prayer. For every time there's a global event and we call for prayer, many people follow with a call to action. And they don't actually associate prayer with action. But if we are to commu cultivate community for good, then we must also acknowledge that James, who's writing the book of James, is looking at a people who are formed by Jesus, who act out of their faith in Jesus. And James does associate prayer with action of faith. And so we want to read, what is it like to be a people who pray, even to be a people with our backs against the wall, who pray under pressure. So would you join me in reading from James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. James chapter 5, beginning in thir verse 13. James writes, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, 
and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. James is always calling for action that is produced by faith in Jesus. And he sees prayer as one of the actions and attitudes that faith in Jesus produces. He might say to us, be prayerful. It's being a doer of the word. Be prayerful. It is the breath and heartbeat of our making, of our doing, of our participation with Jesus in his new creation. But for some of us, and perhaps for many of us, Prayer at times seems like a fruitless activity, as if we are twiddling our thumbs and wasting our time. But as my friend Aaron White says, what a glorious waste of time, to waste time being with Jesus. So if we are to be a church that is prayerful, we would be a church in which we turn to Jesus in every circumstance. Notice in verses 13 through 15, James asks, Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them praise. Is anyone sick? Let them request prayer. And the elders, the spiritual community, will come, anoint them with oil, and offer a prayer in the name of the Lord. Do you know the God-oriented, directed life is what James has in mind? where it's not our circumstances dictating the direction of our life and whether or not our faith rests in Jesus, but it is that our circumstances must come under our faith in Jesus and therefore under the sovereignty of God. This is difficult for some, for I know that some of us have said, oh, I shouldn't pray. It's the only time I pray is when I'm in trouble. Well, Jesus... And with, with James, we would say that, yes, in this world we will have many troubles. So let our troubles come under Jesus. Let them come under the life of the good, good Father who gives good, good gifts, who delights to give gifts. And so when we have trouble, pray. And then if things are going well for us in community and in life, he says we should praise. The word here that he uses is that of actually a, a twitch or a twang or a, a resonance that happens just because happiness in our life has struck the heartstrings of our life and we can't help but sing in joy and responsiveness to God. So whether you've been hit by trouble or you've been plucked like a musical instrument, by good things in life, the direction of our life is to pray. 
That is the personal, individual response and that of community. But James places us here in community, even in our circumstances, when he says, is anyone sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to come and pray. Call for spiritual leaders who have a notable life of prayer to come and pray and to anoint with oil. It's interesting, this movement of anointing with oil is that move and posture that says, I am willing to receive what you pray and what God would do. That it is an act of faith to receive. It's also an act of faith in order to anoint with oil and to look for uh, in trust that God could do something. It's not a motion of some kind of magic. It's actually a move signifying our participation in faith with Jesus for what he would do in prayer. It's a caution, too, for us in life where many of us in our circumstances are trained up and conditioned to just do things on our own. And so we fall prey to the terrible tragedies that uh, happened in Israel when they failed to inquire of the Lord. And so in your life situations, whether it is good that plucks your life or pressure, trouble that pushes against you, what movement of discernment and investigation and inquiry do you have for seeking the Lord with your life? When your back is against the wall, when you're cornered by life circumstances, tyrants, unbelief, rebellion, sin, guilt, and shame, and ultimately fear, the Holy Spirit is the one in you that is calling and moving you towards a God-directed life. Therefore, be prayerful. Turn to Jesus in every circumstance. But James goes on to say that we might be prayerful and intercede for the benefit of both body and soul. Much of James' concern in his relationship to the poor throughout this and calling the church to care for the bodily needs, he now turns to have us care for the needs of the soul. So both body and soul must be our concern. Notice in verse 15, he says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James has a holistic concern for body and soul. He understands the interconnectedness of the new shalom that God is bringing about for well-being, for healing. The gospel is to be good news for all of our relationships. Good news for our relationship with God, with self, with people, and with the stuff of earth. And all of that is wrapped up in who we are as a whole person. Body and soul, emotions and mind, memories and current relationships, dreams and what we are hoping for. There can be unwellness. There can be sickness of many kinds. 
And so when we come to pray for someone who is sick, we might inquire as to what it is that they would have us pray for. And then we listen to them and we listen to the Lord. Are they bodily sick? Are they oppressed? Are they sin sick? James indicates that in prayer, all of this can be sent from them and they will be forgiven. That the Lord will raise them up. Whether in life or in death, we trust that there is a, a healing available to us in all of our conditions. This doesn't mean that on every occasion where we pray for the body that it is healed, sometimes we should be drawn to actually pray for the soul of a person. Bertha Smith was a minister to missionaries, and she would often ask, how is your soul with Jesus? She would ask this of missionaries, of people who had committed their life to service with the Lord, who were engaged in the life of prayer and the life of the Word, who were engaged in meeting needs, just as James says. But even there, we can become soul sick. And so she would ask and wait, how is your soul with Jesus? James is calling us to intercede for the benefit of both body and soul. The prayer offered in faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is the prayer that is to be effective. This is not just something we tag on to prayers, but it's something that we note that our whole disposition in prayer is to seek Jesus and to bring this person to Jesus we're like the friends in Mark 4 who would not be kept back by the crowds when they brought a friend to Jesus. They pressed upwards to the roof in order that they may lower this friend down in front of Jesus. And then Jesus, seeing their faith, acted. When we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are interceding according to the promise of Jesus that he made to his disciples. In the upper room, the night before Jesus was uh, betrayed and crucified, he told the G disciples, now is the time of grief. In John chapter 16, he says, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. When we enter into this movement of prayer of body and soul, we also enter into the life of confession in community, the life of confession between those who are close and engaged. Confession, the word here, is used that of agreement. And so it's about agreeing with God. It's in the knowledge of the Word, the movement of the Spirit, and the conviction of the Spirit about our life in which we agree with God about the condition and the deficiencies of our soul, where we agree with God about His holiness, where we agree with God about the needs in our lives with each other. And so we ask in Jesus' name for the restoration of souls 
and for the healing of bodies. Healing in community is something that we seek because the good Father gives good gifts. Remember, this is James' major understanding of life revealed in Christ, is that the Father above is always giving good gifts. And so we would pray that all those who are sin-sick of soul might be forgiven, that they might hear the word of Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In his book, Howard Thurman says that those who have their backs up against the wall must hear the movement of Christ that would lead them through a pathway for dealing with fear and with deception and with hate so that they're released into the freedom of Christ to be able to love. And so, in this movement towards love, we must also hear how James is moving us, that we might be conformed by God, shaped by God, made by God, into the very image of his Son. God wants us to be righteous. Notice what James says in verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. These righteous persons are not to be uncommon and rare in the community of Jesus called the church. Instead, they are to be common. It is to be common that God is shaping us in Christ to be righteous. The word righteous here means to be conformed to the pattern or to the person, the being of God. And so our prayer will have power and have effectiveness. James uses Elijah as a person who had righteousness and effective and powerful prayers. But he doesn't treat Elijah as one who should be uncommon in the life of the church. He treats Elijah as one who should be common among us all. Notice he says, Elijah, verse 17, was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. If you want to learn more about Elijah, read 1 Kings chapter 16 through 19, and there you'll see the life of a prophet set against the life of Ahab, who was king, and his wife Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel had introduced idolatry into the land. They had brought the Phoenician Baals and Asherah poles into the land. And Ahab had committed great crimes against the Lord. And so, just as God had promised through Moses in Deuteronomy, he did indeed shut the heavens of rain and withheld rain from the land because of their idolatry. Idolatry is that move of the heart in which we replace God, we substitute God with a false god, 
where we substitute God with the stuff of earth in which we want the stuff of earth to provide our security or people to provide our security and so we use people or we want to find it in our own achievement or in our um, humanity, in our uh, social class, in our status, in our tribalisms. All of these can be idolatries taking the place of God in our life. And so Elijah was sent by God to pray and to confront um, King Ahab and Jezebel. But where we are different from, from Elijah is that our move in society when our backs are against the wall is not for the destruction of people, but for the redemption of people, for the new creation work. And so we may pray, just as Elijah did, that God might shut something, that he might bind something. We may pray that God might open something and that he might release blessings to people. This move of faith in Christ is one that we are to make in relation to each other because we are being conformed to the image of his Son. And so that our prayer life is not just righteous like Elijah, but it's righteous just as Jesus was, to produce love. For Jesus now intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, interceding that his life and his image, his relationship with the Father and the Spirit might be in us and his very character might be revealed through us to the world. God is cultivating in us a community that is good, for good. And in that venture, we join him in a great and grand conversation. We're called into the very life of Christ to be prayerful.